Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 17 of the one and only show bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases every Wednesday. Today's topic is, the secret to a good offense isn't just a bad defense. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in. Three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, the expert angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, the expert angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. Phil, welcome back, man. Happy Wednesday. Do you know what today is? It's Wednesday. You just told me. Oh, God. No, man. It's hump day. Whoop, whoop. All right? No, I'm just kidding. No, today is podcast day. And it is podcast day. It is podcast day. And we have an amazing episode for you guys. A really, really good one that you cannot afford to miss so you know, make sure you turn the volume up and sing along with us. I think it's going to be another musical because we have special guests on today. So we have two amazing attorneys out of Texas, out of the Houston area. So we have uh, Jeff McCarthy and Mike Takla. Uh, Jeff is a war veteran, served two tours in Iraq, studied for the LSAT while in Iraq. So Jeff, first of all, man, thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, love always. Uh, interacting with other veterans. And man, that is impressive that you actually got some LSAT study <laughs> done in Iraq. Um, I couldn't even read a newspaper over there, it seemed like that at the time, but, uh, you know, it cost of sand in the eyes and everything else. Uh, but the cool thing about Jeff and why we had him on is Jeff has worked for Allstate um, as a large defense firm uh, for, for years. And he's tried over uh, 40 cases on the defense side. So we wanted to get a defense expert on here that was willing to share with you guys some of the tips and tricks um, when battling the insurance companies and some of the defense attorneys. Uh, and then also with him is Mike. And Mike is a young attorney graduated from the University of Houston. Uh, he's worked for some of the most prestigious plaintiff litigation firms in the nation and also has assisted on ho uh, high profile cases, uh, works car collisions, non-subscriber worker cases. And this is Phil's favorite part, Mike does 18-wheeler, big commercial truck crashes, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, Phil's, that's Phil's bread and butter right there. Yeah. So it, uh, if you guys get off on a, on a sidebar here on a tangent, <laughs> and Jeff will, will bring you guys back in especially, line. Especially over dimensional loads. Okay, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's got that Matco tool thing with like a truck with a bra on the front of it, you know, that's hanging on his wall over there. Nice, nice, nice. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, guys. So, uh, you know, first of all, I guess, tell us a little bit about, because you guys come from such different backgrounds. And I have to ask, how did you guys link up? Because this this has to be a good story. Did you battle it out in court? And then you're like, okay, let's form, let's, let's create a, a big team. 
No, so no, no, yeah, no. The, the story is way less interesting as, as as they normally are, but it's still it's still kind of fun. So I, I had just started my firm, and I mean, we're talking. This is a couple months in, and I just signed a lease at our current office, and we were so excited to get into it. The landlord said, "You guys can move in now, but there's no carpet, there's no paint. Uh, it's it, you know, we're in the process of remodeling." Uh, but but if y'all want to get in, come on in. So great. So I came on up here. And matter of fact, I, you know, I'm sitting on, I think my desk was my army footlocker, you know, and I've got this card table chair oh, and a laptop. And, uh, you know, we had been really blessed to have a lot of cases. And we said, we need an associate attorney. We need somebody here that's hungry, that's done. And, and Mike's Resume came across my desk and I brought him in for an interview. I, I thought there's no way he's going to take a job here because you know we had no money to pay him. And uh, the, the place looked like like we were squatting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it looked like we were squatting in this in this place. And he comes in and wear a suit looking good. And I, I said, first off, Mike, I promise you we're going to have carpet. <laughs> Your office will have paint. And and I, I desperately need you to come in here and help, you know, work this uh, litigation docket. And, you know, to his credit, you know, he's a guy that wants to try cases, likes the autonomy that that as a smaller boutique firm that we offer. And, um, you know, he's had the opportunity, he, you know, he's with us for a while. And then somebody and this is what you learn as a small business owner. When someone's really good, someone's going to offer him more money. And he left for a little while. Yeah. Oh, and, Mike. yeah, I know. <laughs> but it was great because then we started making money and we could match his salary and he came back. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, when I first met Jeff, it was in like a dusty room and he's right. He had a little thing and he's, he's, he's like, look, I, I want to, I want to make it big. I want to try cases. I came from the defense side and we started talking about things and I was like, well, you know, I don't know about this, but let me ask you some questions about, you know, what defense attorneys think about X, Y, Z. And it was, you know, after speaking to him for, I think it was like an hour, hour and a half. It's like, yeah, this is a place. This is a place. And and if it's not now, it's definitely at some point, this is definitely a place. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been working really well since uh, we, um, we, we definitely talk about a lot of our cases a lot. I mean, we, we kind of go back and forth because my, my mind personally is very, very plaintive you know, minded. Why are yeah. they doing this? You know, screw this. Hey, can I can I curse on your podcast? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ah, okay. So why are they doing this? Fuck this. Let's get this done. You know. <laughs> and um, I, there's been a lot of times where you'll just hear my door closed and a lot of cursing, and then you know Jeff walks in. He's like, "Of course they're going to do. It. What did you expect? They just give you money, right? That's not how it works. They got to check this box, this box, and this box. And I'm sitting here like, there's boxes, right? Right. I didn't, I didn't know that. I'm just trying to put my case forward. Yeah. Now, now I, I am immediately though regretting having you guys on here because Phil's already getting ideas. He's like, I wonder if somebody will pay me more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how you slipped that into my drink that made me delusional and go ahead and come on board to be in. <laughs> I'm sly, man. I'm sly. <laughs> I tell you, I blame your dog. She's a she's counteroperative there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just want you to know, I've been I've actually been trying to get Phil to leave now for like ten years. <laughs> <laughs> Once you feed that stray, it just stays <laughs> around. <laughs> yep, exactly. I've tried not paying him. I've tried all sorts. <laughs> he just keeps coming back. I, I don't yeah. get it. 
don't don't bring up the new car conversation because we could go down that road. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, Phil's one of Phil's paychecks might have been delayed because I needed a new car. So you know, it it is what it is. It's it's that growing. All, thing. all these things sound very reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just just real quick because Eric opened the door, so I'm gonna stick my foot in. <laughs> so I, you know, me and my wife are out. We're shopping. We're doing whatever. And uh, I get the phone call from Eric and I, you know, of course, you know, I see him calling. So I'm thinking of something huge, important, big case coming on. So I naturally I break my neck, answer my phone. And he's like, Hey, uh, what are you doing? And, you know, we had that little chit chat. He's like, so I know you, I owe you for a couple of cases. <laughs> um, but uh, do you mind waiting a little while longer? And I'm thinking, you know, well, yeah, I'll take one for the team. Absolutely. You know, there's probably something going on and whatnot. And he's like, well, I, I use that money. I'm going to use that and put that down on my down payment on my new car. I'm like, you are such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. I'm a BMW dealership, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But in all fairness, I got you caught up. <laughs> it, but that is the funniest conversation I think you and I have had to date. That is just hilarious. But you know what? That's what works. It, yeah, that's it. You so, got your car. I got paid. It all worked in the end. Right. Yeah. yeah. All, all everybody was happy in the end. So, but guys, <laughs> yeah. but like I said, when we started the show, so we wanted to bring you guys on because uh, Jeff, you bring a very unique perspective. And, and Mike, I, 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 for anybody watching the video episode, just say so you no. Know, um, everybody's gonna be like, "What's in my drink this morning?" I think that's Mike playing with their camera. So, yeah, yeah. We posted episodes just so you guys know. Okay, <laughs> oh, okay. So, so all the funny faces you guys make are going to be now they're, they're famous. Oh Fantastic. no, perfect. <laughs> yeah. But no, so so I, I'm curious because you know Jeff, I'm, I'm going to start off kind of with some questions, kind of aimed at you because we really want to know what's in the minds of the defense. Um, and then Mike, man, chime in because it's really great once you hear kind of his answer, like to give us sort of the perspective of some of the things that, that the, pro, the the prosecution, the, uh, the plaintiff side um, yeah. should also be thinking, you know, based on those. So it's, it's great to have you guys because we're yeah. literally getting both sides of the conversation. In, in oh yeah. So it's fantastic. Well, well um, you guys are probably just going to be in the uh, kind of the, the room that we're in whenever we're prepping for stuff, basically, because yeah. that's exactly how it goes. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the way it should be. I mean, like Phil's very defense. And I'm very plaintiff, and uh, like so, it, it's that it's a great dynamic. It's a, it's a great dynamic to have because it, it, somewhere in the middle is where magic happens, you know. And uh, so, Jeff, let me ask you. So, from a defense side, so you know, here you are, you put your put your defense hat back on, and uh, you know, you're sitting in your office, and here comes the the demands from a plaintiff attorney. Right? It's been a car crash, and they're going to send the demand letter. Is there anything? that a plaintiff attorney could do to get a better response from you? Like, does it help if they already have an expert or does that not matter on that initial demand? So for, first off, I'm very sad. I have to go back to those days. It's very, this is <laughs> dark time. Yeah. yeah, this is PTSD to go back <laughs> to those offices. But, but, but here's the thing of, of course it does. Of course experts matter. And, the initial demand, and I think a lot of people don't emphasize the demand enough. And I can tell you personally, from my own experience and the experience of my colleagues and the people that we that I worked with and the people that taught me how to be a defense attorney, if you get a well-written demand, a demand that lines out plaintiff's case, their theory of liability, the experts that they have, what those experts are going to say, that is your roadmap 
as a defense attorney for the report that is going to an adjuster. So what you don't realize, or maybe some people realize it, is that in the insurance defense world, it is 100% task driven. It is not outcome driven. Um, it is driven by the tasks that have to be done. You have to talk to your client within 30 days. You have to have a, a conversation with the adjuster within 15 days of filing your answer. Uh, uh, 30 days before mediation, you have to have an initial report, a pre-mediation report, a post-mediation report, a pre-trial report, a post-trial report. There's all these reports because these are Fortune 100, 500 companies that are run by a CFO that have budgets, that have checked the box, and they have all these systems and processes, and they do not care about the outcome in the sense of when you go to trial, if you pop them for a big verdict, if it's inside the policy limits, they don't care. But if you go over the policy limits, what happens is there's a deep dive of did we follow all the systems for all the consultants that these big insurance companies paid way too much money for. So if you have a demand that that defense attorney can use as their report, they're only listening to your voice. Because I, I mean, I would have I would have 200 files, a stack this high. I'm taking the path of least resistance. If I've got to write reports for all these things, if I've got a demand and they attach an expert report and this... Man, I could write it up with, hey, guys, uh, you know, just shoot, it ain't my money. What do I care? So I'm like, hey, ad, uh, adjuster, this is their theory of liability. They already got an expert, so that's a problem. Uh, we're going to have to pay this money to have our own counter expert. And, oh, by the way, they may just support this theory because it seems pretty good to me. And then maybe this would be easier if we just pay these limits and move right along because I got 199 other files where they don't have experts. I don't think they're that prepared. And I could probably go beat up on some of these guys. Let's just pay these ones and move right along because to be perfectly honest, that's not the norm. And when you see that as a defense attorney, I'm, I mean, it, it, it makes you want to pay them and, and not do the work. Like, shoot, I'm getting paid no matter what. It's either, you know, hourly or it's it's a straight salary if you're in-house counsel like I was for for many years I mean I've done them both you know it, it doesn't get you any brownie points so, so because what I see is I, I think it, it typically and correct me if I'm wrong I bet 90% of the cases that came across your desk because so many of the attorneys that, that we talk to even you know they they call they call us and they're like hey I have a potential case but I'm gonna be, I'm gonna I'm gonna write my demand offer real quick and see what they come back with, and then depending on what they respond with, we'll we'll, we'll retain you guys. Like that's that's how that phone call goes. I would say nine out of ten times. And so on that stack of 200 cases that you have, when when somebody sends one and says, "Hey, I demand policy limits because my guy's injured," right. and your guy caused it, and they don't like they don't lay out any of that stuff. I mean, are those the ones then that you're like, "Nah, let's pump the brakes a little." Yeah. <laughs> And, and but here's here's the fatal flaw in what you just said, and and me and Mike talk about this all the time. Is that so? Here's the deal: whenever information, you know, we garbage in, garbage out, right? We've all heard that. Well, think about this. So, in the world of of insurance defense and insurance adjustment, it, it is not about who you're talking to and convincing them to give you money. What it's about is convincing them that you need to be in front of the person with the right amount of authority to settle the case. So for example, 
if, if I'm talking to the very first pre-lit, uh, the very first pre-lit adjuster, I know they don't have the authority to settle this case. I, I know out the jump, they don't have enough money. I need to get it on the desk of the dude that does, you know, whoever the guy or girl that has the authority the, that actually has the ability to say, yes, give them that amount. That's where you need to be. And here's the deal. If you start off low, what happens is when it goes into Colossus, Mitchell One, whatever proprietary software that insurance company has paid for to evaluate the case, if you put in, if you hold some 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 um, some good information back, it does not help you because you put that information in and you're set in a range. So if you give them all this information and your range is now set between ten and fifteen thousand dollars, but really you should be between fifteen and thirty because I'm going to have an expert on the hook. Give them the expert up front. Why? Because now I'm in the right bracket. And it's easy if I'm in the right bracket to get the right authority. Okay. Yeah, it's it's, it's two different conversations. And I keep telling people, don't worry about the demand. Worry about the authority. You, you want the authority to settle the case. Yeah, that's so smart. And so, Mike, let me ask you, because I, I, I got to know, I mean, dealing with truck cases, you're talking, you're not talking $25,000 policy limit cases. You're talking at a minimum million dollar liability limit cases when, when you're dealing with commercial trucks. So yeah. when you write your original demands, right, what what advice would you have for, for any of the, the PI attorneys? Because like what, one of the attorneys that we work with a lot, um, they actually, they just got their first commercial trucking case. I mean, typically they, they normally handle pedestrians and cars and motorcycles and stuff like that. And boom, here's a commercial truck case. This is a whole new animal. And uh, so what, what kind of advice would you give on, on making those demands to, to these multi-million dollar policies? I mean, should they just, should they go after? Should they be like, listen, I want $5 million. <laughs> no, well, I mean, it depends on the damages, right? I mean, you got, uh, you know, $5,000 in Cairo and you're asking for a million dollars. Good luck, buddy. But here's, here's you know, I, I'm a real stickler for this. And uh, Jeff and I go and we talk about uh, 18 million cases all the time because I, I'm really passionate about it. And one of the things I'm most passionate about is it's under the FMCSA, okay? There are certain requirements for 18-wheeler truck drivers, okay? Mm-hmm. Do not send a demand until you have combed through all of that documentation. Because if you have a small solo 18-wheeler company that doesn't have those logs, doesn't have all that information, then your case is now not a... $5,000 seller for $15,000 Cairo case. Your case is now more about why aren't you 18 wheeler company keeping the people of the state of XYZ safe, right? Yeah. And that's what makes your case. And so when you have that information, you get that information discovery, that's the stuff you should be putting demands. And in fact, you know, there's been cases where I said, let's get an FMCSA expert. Let's have him and have him write a report or at least tell us what we're looking for in certain cases like shipper broker, but we'll get into that later. Um, and and make it so when I write that demand, it's very clear cut. Here is the statute. Here's what it says. This is how you failed it. This is the reason why it was put in place. And because of that, your 18-wheeler driver caused the collision. Yeah. And, you know, uh, there's a really, really famous case out there. Um, Eric Penn. I don't know if you guys know. He popped uh, uh, Werner, biggest 18-wheeler company out there, $90 million. All right. On a case, honestly, I wouldn't have taken it. Okay, I wouldn't have taken that case. Reason from the case facts, it just showed a lady who hit black eyes, went across the freeway, um, 
and, and hit a Warner 18 wheeler truck. All right. Sound like a hundred percent her fault. But when you peel back that onion, you found out the 18 wheeler driver hadn't really driven before. He only didn't trade him. That it was black ice on the road. He's not supposed to be on there. That he's supposed to be going a certain amount of uh, speed, but he's going way above that. Right. You keep peeling back that onion and you've got the damages there. You know, I, I regret thinking I shouldn't have taken that once I heard Eric Pan's story, you know, but you've got to do that due diligence in discovery. And you've got to know it. Don't think of an 18 wheeler case as million dollar policy. And that's great. Think of an 18 wheeler case as a different breed. You need different sorts of discovery. You need to look at different aspects of liability. And you can, once you've done your diligence there, put that, put that in the demand. You know, and, and one of the things, too, that I'm, I'm really surprised more attorneys don't do and work in these trucking cases, but it's something that I think we always do, Phil, is look up the trucking company safety rating mm-hmm. and see how many trucks have been put out of service, this, that, and the other. And, you know, I've talked to a bunch of attorneys and they're like, well, you know, we can't really bring that up. That's past and this, that, and the other. And my thought would be, because as law enforcement, like, Dude, when I stop a trucking company and I do a safety inspection, I always look at their past history of how many times they've been put out of service, how many inspections they failed, what truck numbers have failed, all that stuff. I want to know it because, you know, and granted, is there a difference between criminal and civil? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you say that as an attorney, like, hey, Mr. Driver, isn't it true that your truck was put out of service the day prior for brake problems? Yeah. Could they object? Could the judge tell the jury? The jury is going to disregard that statement, but the damage is already done. Like they yeah. hurt, you know what I mean? As, as many times as the judge wants to say, you're going to disregard it. Like they've already heard it. No, so, my, my, my favorite thing is asking, you know, a witness, Hey, uh, would you describe the collision as horrific? You know, objection leading. Oh, uh, let me rephrase my question. How would you describe the collision? Horrific. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> and you know the other the other thing about eighteen wheeler cases, and uh, you know, to the firm that just just picked up their first one, I don't care how much that defense attorney uh, puts up the wall, the front that they're going to fight you tooth and nail, and I'll see you in court. That's a bunch of bullshit. Right? Yeah. So I I, a bunch. I I defended. It was one of the um, big two delivery companies, you know, uh, here in in the nation, right? One of the, you know, there's only two of them that everybody knows outside of USPS, right? So it's one of those two. (laughs) One of those two. two, Yeah. (laughs) And the partner I was working for had been a, uh, had them as a client for almost 20 years. And I had a real bad case in us and, and bad for the plaintiff, right? You know, but their damages were there. But I said, man, there's there's some real problems on their side. You know, it's a it's a risky case, but I think we should try it. And he turned to me and said, Jeff, this company hasn't tried a case in 20 years and, and, and they don't intend to because it's, you know, 18 wheelers are scary. They don't want the publicity. They don't want the press. They don't want the news. Now, I, I mean, I I put on the best poker face I could and said, I'm going to get these experts. I'm going to pour you out. I'm going to do. But but the, the thing is, these defense comp- defense firms. You know, if, if you've got six clients and you go down there and you get your teeth kicked in, multi-huge, multi-million dollar verdict, and then that company starts saying, maybe we should shift our work to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Man, you want to talk about somebody shaking in their boots. De- de- defense firms have more to lose than plaintiff's firms do when they go to trial. If, if we shit the bet on a case. That's no, so smart. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're right. Forty percent of your business walks away. You're going to have a real bad day. You 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 figure out how to rewrite that report to pay these people some money. So, the the power you have as a plaintiff attorney too. Now, 
if you do it right, if you're taken seriously, you get the right experts, you, you, you know, you, you plead it the right way, you know, act like you've been there before and, and boldly put in their face. I will put this in front of 12 people and I'm gonna have a big, scary 18 wheeler breathing down their neck. That defense count is going to be terrified yeah. that 40% of his business might just walk away. And what's he going to do about his billable hours next year? That, yeah. Cause that's, that's reality. One client, one case, you know, one client, a book of business. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's kind of where we kind of level out. They may have more money, right? Because uh, they're an insurance company, but that attorney is only as big as his business there. So yeah. it's gone. It's gone. So what you're saying is the the two big shipping companies, when they have a law firm on retainer, they're not paying them like 20 grand a year. That's, <laughs> you're saying that's not that's not realistic. <laughs> no, they, they they pay well, <laughs> very, very very well. So I guess, and so you brought up the the whole the, the idea of, of you know the experts that you're gonna present to them and, and this that and the other. And so I guess, and, and we had just talked on your guys's podcast. So for anybody that's listening to this, FYI, um, Jeff and Mike have a podcast. Um, and it is called uh, Bad Law, Worst Facts. Fantastic. I've listened to a couple of your guys' episodes. Love them. Great. Thank you. So All check right. it out. Um, yeah. And, you know, so make sure you guys are listening to that because it is also very uh, attorney-centric. So uh, same kind of market audience here. Um, but so we, we had talked about um, the differences in uh, experts between engineers and, and reconstructionists and this, that, and the other. And so does do you... When you're working the defense side, right? If on the plaintiff side, if you guys put up a, a reconstructionist, do you guys start shaking if the defense side gets an engineer, or like where where do you guys start getting nervous at and and kind of reconsidering your position? So I can tell you on the defense side where you get nervous is when you have an expert that's extremely qualified on paper, or testifies extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the latter being more importantly, because juries are fickle. And, it, and I tell everybody it's not a popularity contest, but it is. And yeah. if you can convey your message, if you can break down your information in a way that the lay person, the average person in that jury box can understand, because defense experts are typically... Uh, burn and churn. They're they're paid, you know, high volume. They're canned responses. They know what they're going to say. They're going to say whatever defense wants. So where you get nervous is when you see, oh man, they got this person. Man, they are qualified, and I deposed them, and the jury's going to love them, and that's a problem. And uh, and I think yeah. that's what makes Phil so dangerous because he's got that that kind of southern, uh, a <laughs> little bit of an accent, and he just yeah. comes off likable. Yeah, you, yeah, I'll be likable. So, Phil, I mean, what do you think? Because you always warn people of the snake oil salesman, right? That everybody hates. Yeah. So, <laughs> 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 the, very, <laughs> the very verbose Phil. <laughs> you that man on the stand. What, all I could think of right there was was the line in, in the movie Major League where uh, where the regular sports announcer gets like super drunk, you know, and is, is like the sidekick Donnie. is yeah. like, ball two. You know, he's like, commentary Donnie. <laughs> and he's like, that's all I can think of. 
yeah, that's, very, that's a good, good. Yeah, no, that, that's the only time you get nervous is and when you get those types of of people and then and but also you brought it up in the beginning. You said you said in the demand if if you as a defense attorney, if the plaintiff attorney already has an expert, that's that's odd. And you you your your flag goes up like oh man they've already paid somebody. Yeah. This is a problem. Yeah. They're serious. And like I said, path of least resistance. They're going to be like, look, how do we get this case over with? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I don't want to do this. You know, let me, let me go beat up the people that don't know what they're doing. I, I think another one, you know, famous line from Phil here, and, and you know, we'll jump in here if, if, if I misquote this or anything like that. But I, I mean, I see a, from some of the PI attorneys that, that we do work with and, and talk to every once in a while. And they've even made the comments to us. And they're like, ah, you know what, man? We love you guys. We call you guys for, for everything that we have. Except when I have a loser of a case, I'm going to call this firm over here because they're just going to say whatever I pay them to say. And Phil, I mean, would you not agree? Like, we've, we've talked to those attorneys. I mean, I, you've talked to them. Yeah, and I kind of, you know, I'm kind of offended, number one. Why would you even call them and tell me that? You know, I could have been flipping channels on the TV. I don't need the... <laughs> I don't need the backhanded compliment, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, the matter, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, if that's what you're going to do, you know, can, I, hats off to you. Have at it. Good luck. I, you know, I mean, there wasn't a lot of survivors on the Titanic. So I guess you better wear a life preserver when you go down that road, because the outcome is going to be what it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I don't. And this is, I don't know. This is just me. I do not understand why anybody, would want to put themselves in that position of hiring someone that they know is just going to, is going to say what they want them to say. And then you're going to put them on the stand. I mean, well, you I mean, your credibility becomes just as horrible as theirs. You become that, you become that ambulance chasing, you know, snake oil salesman attorney that, that, you know, is on every billboard in the community and you just drive by them thinking, what a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean that's, i'm sorry i hate to be so blunt but that's what people start viewing if people know your expert is that way guess what people start viewing you that way you become that same that same mold yeah and you also guys you guys got to keep in mind you know these defense attorneys they have a report okay what that what you guys as the experts say they're going to depose you they're going to go back and they're going to write a report right and you know if you've got someone who's just garbage, the report's going to say, they got an expert, he's garbage, right? That's going to be my question. Like, do you guys, on the defense side, yeah. I mean, did you know who these experts were that you could just pay to say anything? Oh, of course. Of course. (laughs) A a, a thousand percent. And and here's the beauty, and here's the thing that a lot of people forget about, and this is why you never, ever want to hire someone like that, is because as a defense attorney, you see way more cases than plaintiff attorneys do way more. I mean, 10, 20 times the cases. Well, guess what? You have 10, 20 times the amount of information and they are data driven a thousand percent. So what's the first thing they do? Mine every single case, every single deposition, every single hearing motion they have, they find that expert and find every bad comment every time they contradicted themselves and they have the money, time and resources to put somebody on that, to go back. So if you're hiring that person, 
I mean, if it's, if, if you need it to get over the hump for, for something great, but if, but I'm with you, why waste the money? If you're serious and you're going to take, take this case to trial, it's doing you no good. And you're soiling your reputation within this community with, I mean, the legal world is small. It's really small. And if you're known to be the guy that hires shit experts and has crappy cases and, and you continuously fold at mediation for a third of what the case is worth, well, guess what? That Those notes are in the adjuster's file and it, it's not a surprise. So, I mean, when you guys are, are looking at it, I mean, that's so basically the, the stronger the expert that you guys are, are putting up on the front end, uh, really, is that helping you? And I, and I guess really that's, that's the big question because I think every attorney is after pre-suit settlements. I mean, right. I, I think if you had to compare them, you guys would rather get huge offers pre-suit oh. than the jury's hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, if I can write, if I can write a letter or two yeah. and get all this, and, and that's, that's the core difference between plaintiff and defense work. Plaintiff work is outcome driven outcome. If I can get this case settled with a letter or two in one report, boom, done it. You know, we even do something where uh, before we file a lawsuit, we take our experts, we put them under oath, we depose them, we ask them all the questions that I would ask them in a deposition. And I even toss in some freebies that I used to ask as a defense attorney. And I send that file to the opposing counsel and I say, hey, guys, Here's my demand. Here's my experts. And oh, by the way, no need to de- no need to depose them because here goes everything that they're going to say. And here's the questions you intend to ask them. So no surprises. We already know where we're at. That's so smart. I awesome. wow. I think that, that is a, that is a super cool tactic. tactic, right, dude? I've never met an attorney that did that. That's yeah. why not. Yeah. Why not? And then guess what? When he gets ready for his, if they're foolish enough to take his deposition again, I go, hey, expert, I'm going to show you what you said last time. Just make sure right. you say the exact same things. Well, yeah. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, being the expert, I'd rather sit in a room with you and a court reporter getting beat up by you than beat up by defense. You know what I mean? And because then if nothing else, yeah, if they do take my deposition, I've already been through it. Yeah. Like, and, yeah I've already been there. <laughs> yeah. And as a defense attorney, uh, my, the reason I did it, uh, if that ever happened to me, I'm like, this is wonderful. I get the bill for watching this. I don't got to go down and take one. I don't have to pay my own court reporter. I can write up this beautiful report and say, hey, guys, this is what their expert's going to say. So let's just move right along. Yeah. So, yeah. you, you know, it's 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 remo- it's all about removing the barriers to settlement and getting yeah. it at the hands of the person that has the authority to pay you what you want. I mean, that's all we do here. And 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 that's what we, you know, I, I do CLEs every once in a while here. And and that's always my, you know, beat the, I was like, look, this is what we got to do. Remove the barriers and get it on the right desk. And that's how you get paid. Well, yeah. and that's, you know, everything's bigger in Texas kind of thing, you know, and, and that's, <laughs> that's one of the big things I love is it seems like you guys really, so Texas is like the hotbed right now in the legal community. I mean, like, yeah. like you guys, you guys are, are, are going to work. I mean, any attorney I see out there is just, like it, it's crazy the way that the Texas's economy, everything is just blowing up. And uh, so, I, man, I, honestly, I think that was the the best piece of advice I've heard in in how many episodes that we've done, Phil. I mean, like, I, that's the single number one most valuable thing I think any attorney could take away from this. Of try that, man. That's that's wild. Oh, yeah. And I, I'm gonna send you the bill for that. That. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Phil's going to pay it. Phil, I think I owe you for a few cases. Do you mind if I hold off on that? I got to. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> so we are actually running up against our clock here for today. Um, so Jeff and, and Mike, you know, let me ask you guys, do you have any final nuggets of wisdom for everybody before we sign off here? Any, any final words of encouragement or anything like that for our listeners? Uh, well, you know, I always give a pep talk. So, um, I like, I like to put you on the spot. don't take the first offer. Uh, don't take the second offer and, 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 and don't take until they give you what you want. Because if you, if you just keep selling things lower than you want, then they're going to look at you as a person who takes things, uh, less than what you've offered. So, you know, put your, you know, put your foot down and say, this is the number, no matter what, that's going to be the number. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing I would say is that, don't be afraid to partner with other law firms that are doing what yeah. you want to do. We do it all the time. Mm -hmm. Even though if we think we know what we're doing, we love collaborating with other law firms that can give you that insight. Because my biggest fear moving from defense to plaintiff's world was I went from this big, warm, cushy, all hundred attorneys, you know, all these people with all this information into just me, you know, and just me and Mike and just me, Mike and my staff. But if you can lean on the plaintiff's bar to, you know, there's nothing better than collaborating with a couple good law firms on some cases, get some great results. And then you've learned that thing, you know, the, the rising tide raises all ships. So get in there, try those cases, get in there with, with, with the other peoples in the industry and please, please hire as many experts as possible. I know we're an expert yeah. podcast, but, but uh, I, I need everyone to be better to raise these, you know, uh, raise these authority for these markets. Uh, you know, I know we're running up against time, but you know, uh, truly, honestly, th there's outlying counties, you know, I've seen the data from being on the inside that, oh, sorry, I break it up there. But, uh, you know, th there's, 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 once you start getting good verdicts and once you start doing good things, the authority comes up. Okay. So that, that's what you want to do. Yeah. Phil, awesome. any final awesome. yeah. No, um, a lot of good information came out of it. a lot of a lot of neat uh, neat ideas. So kind of I think learned our own tips and tricks, so to speak. So appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys. Yeah, guys. I, yeah, thanks. Thank guys. We appreciate it. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. All right, come on down to Texas. We'll yeah. get a beer. You got yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, guys. So we appreciate it. And uh, man, you guys have have a great rest of the night. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to crashtechexpertangle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up. Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. <laughs>